0: I feel like I haven't been to church. This is a terrible thing to say when you're leading worship. I have not been to church in so, so many weeks. And it isn't because I didn't want to be at church. We went on vacation and we attended church, but it was like Saturday evening kind of thing. And then um, a lot of things happened in the last couple of weeks, and I haven't been here. And I have missed being here. I have missed you. I have missed being with the congregation of the Lord's people, and church is such a very good thing. So welcome this morning. I am delighted to be here with you. I don't know if you know, probably most of you do, that we didn't have power most of this morning. And I am praising the Lord that he gave us back our electricity. So he answered prayer before we even started this morning. And you know what I believe? I believe he's going to answer more prayer. I think God is good, and I think that we have an enemy who would love to take us down. Sometimes we get really tired, and I have been really tired in the last couple of weeks. Um, And sometimes you get to feeling old and you think you can't win the battle, but Jesus, he can win the battle. So let's praise him this morning. Let's remember his word, and let's give him the glory. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you again. We were made to thrive. God's word says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. God's word is telling us we were indeed made to thrive. Jesus, we offer you what we have this morning. Jesus, you promised that where two or more were gathered in your name, you were there in their midst. And I believe with my whole heart, Lord Jesus, that you are here in our midst, that your Holy Spirit is here, that your Holy Spirit is living and active and powerful. And Holy Spirit, we invite you now into the service. And it is no coincidence to me that thing after thing after thing has happened in this congregation. And I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. And I would just ask you, Lord Jesus, to show yourself more powerful, more capable, more dominant than anything that this world or this universe has to offer. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to use our pastor now to speak to our hearts that we would take our lives and let them be all for you. We may be on the ropes. We may be in transition. But, Lord Jesus, we know you are the victor. You're the king. You have the glory. And no one else will get the glory. And so I offer this time to you, and I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please have a seat.
1: Sometimes you just got a smile, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, I know I'm not going to be around that much longer, but if I ever decide to preach on the life of Joseph again, please tell me please don't, all right? <laughs> uh, gosh. Um, about six or seven, maybe eight weeks ago, a series called Success and Significance seemed like a really good idea. Um, <clears throat> but today we're going to jump in, and I'm going to start not from Genesis chapter 40 or 41, but I'm going to start from Matthew chapter 25. It's a parable of the talents. And again, at the end of that story, or as, as Jesus is telling the story again, there's a master who gave his servants an assignment, and he came back, and some of them had done better than others with regard to the assignment. And in verse 24 of Matthew 25 says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And again, I got ahead of myself, this is not the parable of talents. this is Matthew 7, not Matthew 25, and that's probably not the only time I'll get confused today. All right, <clears throat> but anyway, from Matthew chapter 7, <clears throat> Jesus is teaching uh, about building your house on a good foundation. Verse 26, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against it, And it fell with a great crash. And again, many of you, most of you, perhaps all of you have heard that story before. Many of you who have been around church for much of your lives have probably sung the song, and I will not sing the song, sorry to disappoint you. Um, But to me, a couple things from the story. The obvious is they both faced identical storms, but some withstood the test and others didn't. And if you think about just those few verses for just a moment... I would think few of us set out in life and say, oh, please, Jesus, help me be a foolish builder. <laughs> Was that anyone's prayer? Uh, I know if I had a choice, I would aspire to be a wise builder. So why would anyone choose to build their house on a poor foundation? In some cases, perhaps it's easier. Um, I have dug footings before, and I can tell you digging in sand is generally easier than digging in solid ground. Sometimes it may be initially um, less expensive, and sometimes it may just be ignorance. They may not understand that they're building in a flood zone, and they need to take extra precaution. So my question is, if God is the rock, the solid foundation upon which we are called to build our foundation, what is the sand? What is the the sand upon which we might build our foundation? I think of several things, and all of these are good things. There's nothing wrong. Sand is a good thing. If you go to the beach, I prefer sand versus rock. I've been on both types of beaches. I enjoyed the sandy beaches far more. There's a place for it, just as some of these other foundations. Many of us are tempted, perhaps even inclined, to build our house On the foundation or build on the foundation of material things we spend much of our lives looking to accumulate and establish a degree of financial stability Sometimes it's other people again. I love having good family Relationships and my family means a lot to me And they're important, but are they the foundation upon which I should build everything and the same is true of friends those are valuable parts of the equation But what is the foundation upon which we should build? I suspect today's, excuse me, I don't suspect, I'm very confident that today's topic will touch very close to home for some of you. I suspect that we can all identify to some extent with the life challenges that are connected to broken promises. No doubt, some of us won't have to think for long to recall and begin to feel in the pit of our stomach the heartbreak, the pain, the frustration, the anger, the tears that have come into our lives as a result of broken promises. Friends who said they would always be there for us and then looked the other way in our greatest need. Business partners or employers who said they would promote you or share profits and instead took advantage of you. Parents who repeatedly made promises and then consistently didn't follow through. And perhaps some of us, excuse me, undoubtedly some of us have had those who should have protected us actually be the ones who caused us the greatest harm. As we've seen already in the story of Joseph, perhaps it's siblings, brothers or sisters who did not follow through on promises or who took advantage of us. Or perhaps for some of us it's Children who promised to do better in school, who promised to stay out of trouble, who promised to do one thing or another, and then broke our heart, and or lied to our face. I know it's real, but perhaps it's a marriage partner who pledged to be faithful and wasn't. Someone who stood on a platform like this, and promised in sickness and in health, in riches, or in poverty, and then said, I want out. Unfortunately, perhaps it's a fellow Christ follower or a leader who betrayed your trust, your friendship, or turned from the faith. Not to be a downer, but to be a realist. The bottom line is promises will be broken when they're promises from another person. Because at our core, we are human. but that's not the end of the story and that's not the foundation that we're talking about building on just a quick recap we've looked at several things already in genesis chapter 37 uh we looked at the start of the story where joseph uh again as he dealt with his as he dealt with his siblings um, <clears throat> His father treated Joseph special because he had a unique relationship with him, and his brothers were jealous. Uh, Joseph uh, perhaps showed some lack of discretion at times in telling his brothers about how he sensed God had something special for him. His brothers responded uh, by beating him, throwing him in a pit, and leaving him to die, then having an attack of conscience, at least one of them did, and they pulled him out of the pit and sold him into slavery. That was week one. Then last week we looked at, again, Joseph has been sold into slavery. He's sold again to uh, an official in Pharaoh's court. Uh, he goes in, even though he's been mistreated by his brothers, he goes in and he is an incredibly faithful, devoted, gifted servant in Potiphar's house to the point that Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of everything. Scripture says the only thing Potiphar worried about is what he was going to eat. And that was prepared for him. Everything else was up to Joseph. The story went on, and remember that Potiphar's wife uh, began to hit on Joseph. He resisted. She falsely accused him of sexual assault, and he was thrown in prison. That brings us up to today. While he was in prison, we looked at briefly last week, while he was in prison, again, unfairness. His brothers treated him unfairly, sold him to slavery. It's just not right does right in his master's house, and he's falsely accused and thrown into prison. Now, as I've said, based upon my flawed personality, at some point I would have copped an attitude and just said, this just isn't fair. I'm just going to sit here in my corner and pout. But Joseph kept doing the right thing. While he is in prison, he, after being mistreated so many times, while he's in prison, he continues to do the right thing to the point that eventually he's basically in charge of the prison. He's still a prisoner. He's still in a foreign land. It says repeatedly, God blesses him, God provides for him. As I've said repeatedly in this series already, to me, if God blesses me and provides for me, I expect to no longer be a slave. I expect to no longer be a prisoner. But God blesses him in spite of still being a slave. God blesses him in spite of leaving him as a prisoner. But again, he prospers him in the prison, and he's basically running the prison with the warden, just kind of overseeing everything and collecting a paycheck. So we pick up today in chapter 40. And again, just to kind of quickly touch on a bit of the story. While he's in prison um a couple of other members of Pharaoh's court get thrown into prison. <clears throat> the baker and the cupbearer. And they're they're in prison and Joseph is taking care of them and all of the other prisoners. And one day he notices that these two officials from Pharaoh's court who were in prison, which again, he notices that they're kind of bummed out. Now again, I kind of if I were in prison I'd probably be bummed out every day. Uh but he notices that they're bummed out and he says, Hey guys What's troubling you and they both said crazy thing We each had just a freaky dream and it doesn't make sense to us and it's troubling us and joseph says God his god The god of the israelites Understands because he's the one who gives us our dreams. He says tell me about him. Maybe I can help you understand him They each tell him the dream and Joseph says, and again, just imagine this in your in your situation. The first one is the cupbearer. And he tells Joseph all about his dream. and it, And Joseph says, you know, well, based on what you're telling me, what I believe God is telling me your dream means is that in three days, Pharaoh is going to say, wait a minute, my cupbearer was a pretty good dude. I think I will take him out of prison. I'm pretty sure Pharaoh didn't use the word dude, but I, I just went there. Sorry. <laughs> Pharaoh says, I, I'm going to restore him. And so Joseph tells him that that's the result of his dream. And the guy says, well, that's pretty cool. And Joseph says, you know, by the way, when this happens, would you just kind of put in a good word for me? Okay, that's a reasonable request. All right. So, Can you imagine the baker, after he hears this dream for the cupbearer, he was thinking, my dream was pretty much like that. It involved three things and stuff. You know, he has to be expecting something equally good. And so he, he turns to the baker and he says, well, now about your dream. And he kind of breaks it down and he says, in three days... Instead of saying, like he did to the cupbearer, Pharaoh's going to lift you up to your former position. He says, in three days, Pharaoh's going to lift up your head. <laughs> Excuse me? In three days, Pharaoh's going to take you out of prison, and he's going to kill you. But, but, but what about his dream? <laughs> and sure enough, it happened. I don't think I put this one in there. So I'm going to open my Bible. Uh, A couple hours ago, I thought we were going to do this a lot because we weren't going to have this to look at. But in chapter 40, verse 23, as I've told the story, at the end of chapter 40, it says, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So... Joseph has to be ecstatic when he sees the cupbearer restored just like he promised. He has to think, this is my shot. And then the cupbearer gets out and he forgets. Just a few facts of life with regard to broken promises. The first is, people will let you down, and promises will be broken. And I just want to say, sometimes it may be maliciously so. Sometimes people will break a promise to you because they are dishonest, because they are selfish, and because they are sinful. They're going to make a choice, and they're going to break a promise. There's a story in Acts chapter 5 where a couple, Ananias and Sapphira... (sighs) kind of made a show of selling some property and donating the proceeds uh, to the work of Christ. And they led people to believe that they were giving everything they earned. But then they got to thinking, well, nobody really knows how much we earn, so we could have everybody think that we're giving everything, but we could kind of keep some back for ourselves. And again, those of you that know the story know that it did not end particularly well for them. It actually cost them their lives. But that was maliciously with forethought and malice deciding to break a promise and there were consequences sometimes people will break promises due to overzealousness and immature and again many of you remember some of these bible stories but remember when Jesus began to talk about his betrayal and crucifixion do you remember? remember what Peter said? He he's sitting there with the other disciples, and he and he basically this, this is my paraphrase, but basically he says, Jesus, even if these other losers desert you, I never will. I I would die, Jesus, before I will desert you. Now, Peter did not say that maliciously. He really thought that in his core being that's who he was. It is beautifully who he became, but in that moment, in his overzealousness or his immaturity, he made a promise that he wasn't yet equipped to keep. So that in just a short while, when a little girl accused him of being a follower of Jesus, he cursed and said, I don't even know the guy. Now, he did not do that maliciously. And when he spoke those words, God did a work in his heart. That allowed him to eventually be a man who lived up to that promise But he wasn't there yet We oftentimes make promises Out of overzealousness and immaturity now. I understand we all know that I'm old. All right Okay, I ha- excuse me. I have lots of experience I have stood in situations like this on many occasions And led people in their marriage vows out of no disrespect for any of those couples There have been numerous times where as they have pledged their vows I have thought I know you mean that but you don't have a clue yet (laughs) I'm at the head of the line all right 45 plus years ago when diane and i stood in canvas union united methodist church before friends family and god and i said in sickness and in health for richer or for poor i didn't have a clue i meant it i didn't yet know what it meant and so that was not had i not been able to keep those promises that was not malicious intent it was just being clueless. And then sometimes people will break a promise, what I would say innocently. When I read that, now, again, I love hindsight. Generally, with hindsight, I can be really, really smart. You know, I'm just saying. With hindsight, I would have understood And known and adapted to all the nonsense that's going on today. I would have understood that all the practice I did yesterday setting up a speaker out there wasn't going to make a bit of difference today because it wasn't going to work anyway. With hindsight, I would know that. I wouldn't have expected it to work. So it's easy for me to be critical of the cupbearer. Here, Joseph gives him hope in his darkest hour that he's going to be restored and how could that guy so disrespect Joseph that when he gets out of prison, he forgets about him? It's easy with hindsight. But, but if you just stop to think about what had to happen in the life of that cupbearer when he was released, and he immediately had the opportunity to reconnect with his family, to reconnect with all that he had missed out on, it's not unreasonable nor is it malicious, to think he could have easily been so overwhelmed by all of it that he just plain forgot and broke the promise in what I would say innocently. My takeaway, my encouragement is when this happens, when promises are broken, don't overreact. And don't stop trusting. Because Joseph had been burned time and time again. If he had allowed himself to be consumed with skepticism or overreacted, when in a few years Pharaoh began to make promises to him, he could have easily said, yeah, I've heard that before, go fly a kite. He didn't go there and was allowed to experience some incredible things. Second thing I would point out is God is God was and God always will be completely faithful. That's that's the foundation. That's the hope. That's what we're going to sing about today. Just because others have forgotten us does not mean that God has. Trust me. That's a conversation he and I have regularly. And it always ends the same. Oh, that's true. You are always faithful. Just because others have forgotten does not mean God has. Just because I have not been faithful does not mean that God is not faithful. And again, I refer back to our friend Peter. We talked about his failure. But I refer countless times over the years to John chapter 21 and his restoration after the resurrection. When Jesus met Peter by the lakeside and restored him to fruitful service that changed history as it transformed Peter into a restored promise keeper who literally did die for the cause of Christ. It is crucial for me to remember That just like peter, even when I blow it God's faithfulness does not change He is was and always will be completely faithful Whether with my puny little mind I can see it or not It does not change it the truth. I just want to (coughs) hit a couple things Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. I paraphrase the story. But when they came to Joseph and said dreams, they, verse 8 in chapter 40 says, We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then God said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. God is faithful. Verse, four, verse 1 of chapter 41. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream as he was standing by the Nile. Then skip ahead to verse 9. The chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Can you imagine that moment? After two years, Pharaoh has a dream, and he, and he makes a comment in the cupbearer's presence. What a coincidence. And the cupbearer says, Oh my, I remember this dude in prison who was able to interpret my dreams. Two years of feeling forgotten and abandoned in prison. And then in a moment. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, "'Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with your servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard.' We told him our dreams, and he had interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dreams. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position. The other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Two years. And then in an instant, everything changed. What if somewhere along those two years, Joseph said, ah, I'm just done with this. I want to be like Job's wife told Job to be. I'm just going to curse God and die. God is, was, and always will be faithful. Just a few simple verses that speak to that. Joshua 1 5. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah. Regardless of what happens around me, that's a promise. And it's one I gotta dig out from time to time. Here's one I, I, I often look to Isaiah for for comfort in the times when my faith is weak this is not one i've gone to before but it's interesting i was preparing for this message and lo and behold this popped up in one of my daily devotionals isaiah 49 verse 13 shout for joy you heavens rejoice you earth burst forth into song you mountains for the lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones that's a pretty good thought But Zion said, and just so you know, oftentimes with Isaiah, I kind of put my name there. So let's go back. But shout for joy, Steve. (laughs) Rejoice. For the Lord comforts you and will have compassion on you even when you feel afflicted. But Steve said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child she has born. Now, I know in our broken world that may happen, but it doesn't happen often. But even if that should happen, though she may have, that, though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. God says that to us. And there are certainly times I need to hear it. I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He will not forget you, regardless of who else does. People may disappoint you. They may make their promises, but God will always be faithful. Is, was, always will be. And then finally, God expects us to be faithful and faith-filled. Now, here is where I started Matthew 25. And just think about God's faithfulness and the call for us to be faithful. Faithful. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But just as he who called you is holy... Excuse me. Let me back up to that. Apparently, I cut that short. Because it goes on to say... Well, let me just back up. I've talked to lots of folks as they approach the end of their journey. And I've talked to lots of folks who are serious, devout Christ followers. And I've talked to lots of folks who said, when I close my eyes for the last time, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. God expects us to be faithful and faith-filled. He expects all of us to live a life that lets us hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe with my whole heart, God does not expect anything of us that he is not willing to equip us to accomplish. I, I have to believe that in the core of my being. 1 Peter, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Just think for a moment about the example of Joseph's consistency. Somehow, I want this. But somehow, with all that Joseph went through, he was able to not blame God when people let him down. Somehow, he managed to not stop doing right even when doing right did not eliminate his suffering. Personally, that's not an easy place to get to. And he chose to trust God even when his faith did not result in the removal of his afflictions because he believed God is, was and always would be faithful trust me without a doubt I get it that it hurts when people break a promise at times we may be tested Tempted to never trust someone again. But for me personally, Joseph's example continues to grind at me and remind me that I have to look instead to God's presence and his faithfulness. In those times when we wrestle with the pain, the loss, the frustration, the desperation, the hurt of broken promises an abandonment from other foundation, other foundations, I just invite you to join me in attempting to look to God for comfort and strength, to lean into his faithfulness while at the same time striving to live faithfully in our relationships with him and with each other. Would you pray with me? Father, some things are just so incredibly easy to say and really, really difficult to live out. And Father, I know, I know these people here and I know there, it is their desire to hear well done good and faithful servant. But I also know that we're all human and it just hurts when foundations we had counted on crumble under our feet. But, Father, we ask that you would give us the strength to lean heavily into your promise to always be faithful and also to lean into your gifting to help us always be faith-filled and faithful. We thank you, Father. Amen. Father, we celebrate today that you are always faithful and that you will embrace our feeble attempts at being faith filled and faithful and you will continually multiply them we thank you Father Amen just a couple quick things I want to say by way of community concern type things and very very briefly um, first of all uh, thanks to all of you for your incredible flexibility uh certainly been a unique uh season and a unique day uh thank you to the worship team i suspect uh yes go ahead i suspect they join me today in feeling a little bit like a ping pong ball in terms of <laughs> yes no yes no yes no and back and forth uh, um um Already changed my clothes several times today because I've been racing around like such a crazy person. But you didn't need to know that. Uh, the other thing I just want to say is, uh, please pray for the LBA. They have a meeting this Tuesday, and uh, they continue to wrestle with things uh, that none of them knowingly and willingly and intentionally signed up for, uh, but yet they continue sweet they continue uh, to work their way through it and so as they continue to process succession planning along with everything else um, they desperately uh, need your consistent thoughtful and focused prayer so uh, those are the two things that i wanted to say so okay
0: well i asked him like five minutes before service to put a couple scriptures in and he did, and then I told him where, and then I didn't use it in the right place. But, of course, he's ready right now. So the scripture in the last couple of weeks, when I haven't felt very good, um, just reminded me of God's faithfulness and really goes with that theme of faithfulness. In Psalm 42, it says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy, when I think of the broken promises, right? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, Where is my God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for, yet, uh, for I will yet praise him, Amen. my Savior and my God. Amen. And he will do those things again. As I was uh, being sick and being alone in the last uh, couple of weeks, it just was, I was reminded, that God will do it again. You know, there was a time when I was diagnosed with a cancer, and uh, my doctor said to me, you have the big bad, and I won't repeat his other word, because it's not for polite company, kind of cancer, that, that may mean that your life is shortened. And I remember walking out of his office, and the secretary's tears had, her eyes had tears in them, As she's making an appointment for me to go to University of Michigan. And so when I don't feel good, I remember what God did for me. And I say, God can do that again. Right? And I remember when my family didn't have a home to live in and we moved all of our stuff into a friend's garage and we as a family of six couch surfed from home to home to home for six months. God provided. And so yep. I remember, yep. God did we that. And I say, God will do it again when That's I hit right. hard times financially. And so I just want you to remember when we're hitting hard times, whether they are emotionally or they're financially or their health preaching. situations, right? God I I is preaching. faithful, and he will do it again. So just be encouraged. God is good, and he will yep. take care of us yep. as individuals. He'll take care of us as a church body. Amen. Ah, the newest team member, Vivian. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the power. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for your glory, and we give you glory this morning. Thank you for reminding us of your faithfulness and that as your people made in your image, we have the opportunity to learn to be faithful. Take us this week, Lord Jesus. Hold our hands through the week and help us to give you glory, to give you honor, to reflect you in the things that we do. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless each one of you as you go through your week.